It's interesting, Jesus met Peter where he was at, at the level he could relate with him. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through his series called Close Encounters with Jesus. So, get ready to follow along in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. gets out of the boat and he starts walking towards Jesus. And I think Peter, as he took his eyes off the Lord, because probably the storm was probably pretty intense and, you know, you know, you know, talking about going to one of them skateboard parks where they got all the bumps and rolls. I think, whoa, no board. Whoa, he was just doing that, realizing that, hey, I can't do this. And sure enough, he couldn't. He began to sing, Lord, save me. Jesus did. People oftentimes fault Peter and say, see, he got out of the boat and he sunk, but he's the only one that ever walked on water other than Jesus recorded in the Bible. I like that. Even if it was a short period of time, it had to be the ride of a lifetime. I just want to say that because, again, a lot of times people won't get out of the boat. They're afraid of failing. But even if we fail, Jesus pulled him back out. Well, anyway... Now we find Jesus on the shore, Peter in the boat. Again, I'm not going to wait. I'm just going. And so he jumps in the water and heads for shore. Then soon as he had come to land, they saw a fire of coals. There fish laid on it and bread. You know, what you need is already there. The disciples come to shore. And what do they find? Coals, bread, everything's ready. And I look at that and I realize, God, you've already gone before me. You know what I need. God's already provided for you in the days to come. Always remember that. God, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Sometimes in the Old Testament, they would use different words to describe the majesty of God. And one of the uh, names of God in the Old Testament was Jehovah Jireh. And what Jehovah Jireh means is God, our provider. The, uh, the children of Israel would get up in the morning and the manna would be on the ground every morning for them waiting. God has already provided for you. Again, when we are in the will of God, God provides everything that you need. And by the way, in that provision is the miracle working power of God. I believe this is where God does these things. How he does it, I'm not really sure. I've seen God do it in many different ways. In the Bible, we see it many different ways. Sometimes Jesus took the loaves and fishes and just made it happen. Here, Jesus had already provided the bread for them when they came to shore. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. I think it's interesting here that Jesus... Um, 
used what they had, and he provided what he had. That's the way it always is. Somebody asked me one time, how much do you do as a Christian, a follower of God, and how much does God do? Well, it's different in every situation. But basically, God does everything after he's told you what to do. I like that. So in other words, if I just do what God tells me to do, he'll do everything else. Uh, Sometimes in the Bible, as an example, God did everything. Elijah, out in the wilderness, running from the, the, the prophets of Baal. He was out in the... We remember that he was there, and we remember that God sent the birds to deliver his food to him. Probably the first uh, food delivery service ever mentioned uh, anywhere in the world was the birds delivering food to him. And uh, sometimes God does it all. Other times, as an example, when God told Noah to build an ark, he worked on it for more than 100 years. So God does it in different ways at different times. I want to be careful of ever putting God in a box, putting God into a pattern and saying, well, you know, God, this is how you always do it. I'll do one, two, and three, and then you do three, four, and five, and then I'll do five, six, and seven. No, no, no. It never is a formula with God. It's only a demonstration of his faithfulness when you see a pattern. So be careful of falling into patterns or rituals. What God wants us to do is, again, as I've always shared this, crawl up on his lap and say, Daddy, what do you want me to do today? That's what's so important in a relationship with God. Because God knows what you need before you ask. I want to be very careful in talking to God as if he is unaware of what's going on. Sometimes we may want to do that. I don't think God's offended by that, friends. But I think it's needless when we really realize that God knows everything. He lives in all times present. He knows more about the future than I remember about yesterday. And all God wants me to do is be faithful and trust him. Well, he tells us here. Bring some of the fish. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And all there were so many the net was not broken. Now, the first time, the net began to break. A lot of people wonder of the significance of 153. I don't know. I've, I've read all kinds of uh, explanations on this. Maybe it was just that God was saying there was 153 fish, down to the exact number. And they counted them out. And by the way, this would have been worth quite a bit of money. Maybe Jesus was looking at Peter and saying, you know, Peter, I used your boat many times, and uh, here's payback. I don't know. But the point is, he said, from now on, you're going to be catching men. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Boy, isn't that a neat thing? Wouldn't you like to just be invited to come eat breakfast with Jesus? Can you believe that? Jesus, come eat breakfast. Oh, wow. You know, that really tells me a lot. It isn't that you eat breakfast over here and the higher echelon will eat breakfast over here. He was just with them. Imagine Jesus inviting you to breakfast. And so he did that. Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, knowing it was the Lord. This is kind of a funny verse here, but I believe it's indicative of what Jesus did for us. 
We remember Thomas said, I'm not going to believe unless I put my whole, my fingers in the holes in his hands and thrust my hand into his side. And we remember the disciples fearing that they were going to be next executed. They were behind locked doors. And we remember that Jesus appeared in the room and he walked up to Thomas and he said, Thomas, here you go. And he held out his hands. Thrust your hand, he said, into the hole in my side. Thomas fell to his knees and he said, my Lord and my God. Really important. And why that's, I think that is so, so important is that he still had the marks in his body of the crucifixion. Now the Bible tells us he was blindfolded and beaten before he was crucified. They shoved a crown of thorns on his head. And so this would, and also whipped with a coat of nine tails, So I imagine the swelling, the disfiguring, the being blindfolded and beaten and his face swollen up and all these things. No wonder they couldn't recognize him. You know, again, if you've ever, I I don't know if you've ever, I think anybody that's been in Idaho has had this experience. Being stung by yellow jackets. I think we all have our very unique stories concerning that. I was uh, taking the tarp off my boat and I was all ready for a nice day. And I have a little bitty sea-doo boat and, and uh, I was taking the tarp off and I grabbed onto the front of the tarp and I noticed when I grabbed it, I felt something crunchy. And I go, uh-oh. And all of a sudden, man, I started getting stung. I grabbed the actual wasp nest that was underneath. This was only like three or four weeks ago. And they stung me like five or six times. I've been stung before once, but never multiple times. Well, my hand swelled up and it looked like I had a catcher's mitt on. And I looked at that and I couldn't really move my fingers. It was some of you around the church here saw my my puffy hand. And I got to thinking about that. And and that's just over a wasting. Imagine a crown of thorns. Dirty, of course. They didn't care about sanitation in those days. Shove that on his face. Beat him with a coat of nine tails. I, I don't think the Roman really cared where the end of the straps of the nine, nine tails landed, whether it was across his back, across his neck, across his face. I don't think it mattered to them. And so Jesus, the Bible says in Revelation takes the scroll, the title deed of the earth, and the Bible says he looks like a lamb that had been slain. So I believe the marks that were in Jesus' Jesus's body at the time of death, we someday will see. We'll see what our sins being forgiven cost him. And so I believe this is why they had trouble recognizing. They knew his voice because when they were a distance off, we remember John says, it's the Lord. He recognized his voice, but they had trouble recognizing him. And I believe completely because of the disfiguration and the verification that Jesus showed Thomas the holes in his hand and the hole in his side. And so Jesus came. And took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. Not only did Jesus invite them to breakfast, but he was their waiter. I think that's pretty amazing, especially with the issue with Peter. 
This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape me more than these? Now, I'm pretty sure he was talking about the fish. I don't think he was talking about the other disciples. Because of the word, do you agape me more than these? And Peter responds and says, yes, Lord, you know that I'm fond of you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Now, uh, the word love just appears as the same word here, but I'm reading it to you uh, literally what the words in the Greek mean. Agape is that deep, intimate love that you have, that spiritual love that you have for God. I think Peter was probably very concerned of his ready, shoot, aim attitude when Jesus said, do you agape me? Peter backs off and says, well, Lord, you know I'm fond of you. I think Peter was a little scared at that point. Because we remember, he said, I'll never deny you. Well, the second time he says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape me? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I'm fond of you. Phileo you is literally the word. He said, tend my sheep. First time he said, feed my sheep. The second time he said, take care of my sheep. Feed them, take care of them. And he said to him the third time, now I suppose at this particular moment, being he denied the Lord three times, I imagine Peter is probably pretty embarrassed at this. Uh, His sin found out, comes face to face with Jesus, who he denied. Now Jesus is asking him three times, He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah. Now this time Jesus changes it. He said, do you phileo me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things that I am fond of you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. It's interesting, Jesus met Peter where he was at, at the level he could relate with him. Jesus said, do you agape me? Peter says, you know I'm fond of you. Do you agape me? You know I'm fond of you. Third time, Peter, are you fond of me? Yes, you know I'm fond of you. I think it's interesting. God will meet us where we're at. I always like that about the Lord. He knows what I need before I ask. He'll meet me where I'm at, meet you where you're at, and grow us into what he wants us to be. Now, when we get into the books of Peter, First and Second Peter, you find that Peter was a dynamic person who loved God, that got it finally. See, sometimes it took three times for somebody to get it. That was the third, this was the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples. It was the third time Peter was asked by Jesus, do you love me? Are you fond of me? Third time's the charm. And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. And he said to him, feed my sheep. You see, that's what God's called us to do, is be about our daddy's business. This morning, maybe you're distant from God. Maybe maybe you're one-dimensional. You just, well, what you see is what you get. 
Well, let me tell you something, friends. You don't even have to be a Christian to know what you see ain't what you get. I think anybody that's bought a used car, maybe even a new one, has experienced that question or that statement. What you see oftentimes ain't what you get. One-dimensional. God says, you are put on this earth to be more than an animal. That you have a spiritual aspect to you that needs to come alive. And that day might be for you today. Where you say, okay, Lord, I accept you into my life. I repent of the foolish way I've lived. In the one-dimensional world, what you see is what you get. I know that's a lie. So God, now bring me into the spiritual dimension of life. Jesus said, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. That's where we ask the Spirit of God to come into our life. That which died in the garden has been void in man ever since. And then God causes us to come alive in his spirit. There's a change in the way we see life. People say, do you mean to tell me you can actually come to a realization of something and it'll change the way you live? Absolutely. I think every one of us experienced that. If you have ever sprayed weeds and on the side of the bottle it says do not drink if spilled on hands wash immediately you can just say well i don't believe any of that stuff they're just trying to stop me from having a good time you can avoid that you can ignore that but the thing is when we realize that these things when we learn things change the way we think imagine that there is a spiritual dimension also Because if that exists, friends, in the physical world, you know it's going to exist in the spiritual world. God says, you're more than a living corpse. You are a child of his. The Bible says, Jesus said, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. And we accept Christ into our life, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, this morning. If you've been living one-dimensional, if you really don't, see yourself doing much in this life, fishing all night and catching nothing, following the crowd, catching all night, fishing all night and catching nothing, I would invite you to come in to the right side of the boat and let God fill your net this morning. He will. He's a God that loves, a God that forgives. And again, that's what we have to do. That's what we have to say about that God is the rebuilder of our lives. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, we're going to pray right now. And you can ask God to come into your life. You can ask him to let you see in the next dimension, in the spiritual world. And then you'll see that your life isn't just a mistake, but that God actually has a divine appointments for you in this life. He's already gone before you. He's already on the beach with the coals and with the bread. He's already there. Are you coming? That's the question. Well, I can't come unless I hear his voice. I won't know where to go. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And I would invite you today to ask God to come into your life, that you'll hear his voice that you'll recognize his goodness, his provision. It's already there. And what I think is really important is this. Jesus, when he caught up with Peter, 
Peter knew him. I think there's a lot of Christians that fall into this category as well. I knew Jesus. I denied Jesus, either by something I did or a lifestyle or whatever. And Jesus catches up with him on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus got a rod and began to beat Peter. Well, if your Bible says that, you need to get a different Bible. Jesus asked him, do you love me? You see, I think we have to ask, be asked that question, God, do I really love you? And you might look at it and say, well, you know, there's things going on in this life. I would just ask you in Jesus' name this morning that you would consider two questions. First question, do you love Jesus? This is what he asked Peter. If you're a backslidden Christian, you've been letting the the cares of this life get in the way of your relationship with him, just let Jesus take that priority back in your life and let him do that for you. So if you're not a Christian living in a single dimension world and you need to come into the spiritual aspect of life, this is for you. If you're a Christian, maybe a believer like Peter was, knowing that he did some things wrong and yet thinking, well, if I come back to Jesus, God's going to beat me. All Jesus asked him repetitively, do you love me? And if you do, be about your daddy's business. That's the greatest news anybody can ever have. If you need to pray this morning, let's pray. And you can ask God to come in your life. It's simple. It's just, it's just where you meet Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. And I'm sorry for the way that I have lived. Think that all there was to life is what I saw. So Lord, bring me now into your spiritual world. Let me see your provision for me that you've already gone before me and you have a place for me. So I confess you as my Lord. I believe you died on the cross for me. I repent of my foolishness. Write my name in your book of life so I can spend eternity with you as well. Help me be about your business, Daddy. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that, welcome to God's family. Begins with a prayer. God will show you your whole life is goodness. If you don't have a Bible, I'll give you one. We got some little books called Time to Grow. It's a great little outline, and you can helps you navigate through the Bible a little bit on finding your favorite Bible verses. Got a couple of DVDs, God of Wonders, great DVD to watch, share with your friends, and uh, Evolution versus God too. And so, just want to help you. We'll have a baptism. You can talk to. Esther, and get on the list. And let God bless you and heal you and restore you. He does. He's already gone before you. Walk in his footsteps. Father, this morning, for every person that said yes to you, I pray that you just pour your bucket of golden love all over them and let them know how much you care about them, how much you want to restore them and bless them and heal them. And Father, this morning, May we all walk in your footsteps. May we realize your provision. May we realize the best place to be is in the center of your will. And Lord, you provide whatever it is we need. Whether it's a ticket to go overseas, to be a missionary for you, 
Or Lord, whether it's a car to haul our friends to church. Or whether, God, it's just coals and bread on on the beach and you inviting us to dinner. May we never be able to say, I've caught nothing ever again. Lord, we commit our lives into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.